This is Lightning Power Lunch with Dave Mishkin and Greg Linelli on Lightning Radio. They're a great hockey team. Uh, they have been all year. Uh, they have been for quite a few years. So, you know, they, they, they put together a great game. Obviously, we, uh, we weren't up to the challenge tonight. So, you know, we got a split, which is good. And we need to go back and, and get ready to, for a home game. 1-1. We wanted to take a game here. We did. And... And we've been through a lot. It's it's not a roller coaster of a series. It's manage the emotions and come back home. And and now it's our turn to have a response game. And it's a funny game, right? Like, what happens is when you play a team as often as we've played the Leafs in the last couple of years, especially in in the playoffs, you're probably going to get games like this. But as the series move on, the scores get tighter. But it is. Uh, I don't know, it is a weird one that in, in both these cases, I, I think both games mirrored each other. Wasn't it 3 nothing, and then there's a little bit of a pushback, and then it's a funny game. Yeah, that's why we love this game. Well, that wasn't the results the Lightning wanted, no doubt about that, but I think you could make a case so far through two games. Each team has had a stick, which is why we're tied at one apiece. The Lightning fall to the Maple Leafs last night, 7-2, to two, and... The now series is tied at one apiece, heading back to Tampa for Saturday's Game 3. We'll get to some quotes from John Cooper last night and uh, taking your questions at Bolts Radio. But let's bring in my radio partner, who uh, was front and center, along with Phil Esposito, for that game last night. Dave Michigan, Steve Ersnick's our producer. And again, hit us up on Twitter, at Bolts Radio Partner. It's good to be with you again. And for as good as the lighting looked in Game 1, Give credit to the Maple Leafs for punching back in game two. Yeah, it was almost like a mirror image of of game one. You know, in game one, the Lightning made so few mistakes, particularly in the defensive zone. They managed the puck well. They avoided turnovers. They skated downhill. They applied a lot of pressure. And the Leafs were the ones who were making all the mistakes, including a lot of egregious ones in front of their goaltender which we touched on after game one. In game two, the Leafs were a lot better defensively, which I think we expected they would be. They really cut down on the number of looks the Lightning had from right in front of Ilya Samsonov. But I think what we weren't expecting was the Lightning were going to look like the Leafs in game one. And it started on the opening shift where Alex Kalorn has a chance to skate the puck out of the defensive zone, but just inside the blue line, he tries to make a pass to the middle of the ice to Ian Cole, and Mitch Marner intercepts it. Cole is forced to trip him, and the Leafs get a power play. They win the faceoff, and Marner shoots it in. Not even a minute into the game, it's one other Toronto. So look, the Lightning had some problems in game one with the Toronto power play. That continued in game two, but in game one, in game one, if Kalorn were in that same spot, he would have skated out to the neutral zone. That's what they were doing. So, like, why did they make those sorts of mistakes in game two? That's hockey, right? I mean, he made a split-second decision, and it proved to be the wrong one. I guess the difference between the first period of game one, which the Lightning dominated, and the first period of game two, which the Leafs scored three goals in the first period of game two, was... After the Marner goal, the Lightning actually had a pretty good stretch of of play. They had seven unanswered shots, and they had a lot of zone time. They had two power play chances on which they had an opportunity to tie the game at one. But the Leafs dug in defensively. There weren't the prime scoring chances available for the Lightning, and they squandered those two power play opportunities. 
and then the Leafs made it two to nothing on a faceoff play. So what happened was Tavares was going to take the faceoff against Sorelli. Sorelli got thrown out, so Hagel had to take the draw. It's a big advantage for Tavares, who's one of the best faceoff guys in the league. He won the draw, and then Morgan Riley brought it down the wing, and Tavares kind of was close to the net, and he skated backwards into the Phil Esposito spot, basically right in the slot. He got the feed from Riley and, and roofed it, and that made it 2 nothing. and that really swung momentum to the Toronto side. And at one point, shots were 8-3 lightning, and they finished 12-8 Toronto. So Toronto had the last nine shots in the period, and they added a third goal on a delayed penalty tally by William Nylander. In the second period, the Lightning, I think, did a little bit of a better job to create scoring chances, and they got a goal from Ian Cole on a nice play off the rush. But but what was happening in the second period was they started allowing prime chances right in front of Vasilevsky. And, I mean, the Leafs, I think, had more scoring chances through the first 10 minutes of the second period than they had in the entire first period. But it was still 3-1. to one. Like, the Lightning were within two, and then kind of the, the dam burst. And the Leafs got another goal from Tavares on a rush play. That goal came at 13-14 of the second. And then they popped in two more goals as they just kept racking up scoring chances, and then it was game over. So... Look, Toronto knew that they needed to tighten things up defensively after game one. The Leafs did that. The Lightning are going to have to tighten things back up after game two into game three. And we'll see if they're going to be able to to accomplish that. But from the standpoint of they wanted to at least get a split on this on this trip to Toronto the first two games, they did get it. It's just that, you know, they head home with a sour taste in their mouth because they got blown out in, in game two. Yeah, they do. And, you know, I think you brought up a good point during the the first period along with Phil. It, even though the, the Maple Leafs had this lead, it felt like they weren't dominating the game. You know, that it was kind of right. there, not for the taking, but the Lightning certainly, they weren't getting blown off the ice, so to speak. But, you know, you have to give credit to Toronto they were able to capitalize on, you know, some miscues. And I'm not sure you can really fault Vassy too much last night. You know? Yeah, I'm actually going to differ You're with You're going to differ there, with me right? on that one? Well, it, I didn't. And Phil and I were in agreement. The first period goals. The Tavares goal, no. Like, that's a prime location, and he roofed it. But the Marner goal at the beginning of the game, I think that just fooled him. Yeah. That's one of those he normally stops. Nylander has a hard shot. But I thought that was, was a good not shot, screened. But, it was yeah. a good shot, but he wasn't yeah. screened on it. And look, like we're gonna say, the the pucks that are gonna get past Vasilevsky are gonna be kind of like the ones that beat him in the second period to an extent. Either like prime chances, rebounds off the rush, the second Marnigal deflected off Hagel. That was a little bit of bad luck, but the shots that he sees, particularly from distance. Those are ones that he normally stops, and they're going to need him to stop, and he didn't. So I don't think he had his his best night. He actually got better into the second period, and that's when he was kicking. Maybe that's what you were thinking of, Greg, because the Leafs had a lot of dangerous yeah. chances before they made it 4-1 to one in the second period, and he was stopping all of them. But I think the game as a whole was not his best, and even the last goal, the Tavares goal, was a weird one like – 
or a Tavares walked to the front of the net and jabbed at it. Vasilevsky stopped it, but then he ended up like kicking it into right, the net right. himself. So I think he would he would say like he can be better, and they're going to need him to be better. Samsonov was the better goalie. He was in game two. He was he to his credit he bounced back. I mean that was a a very good effort on his part because when you have the crooked number in the first game, you wonder yeah. what he's going to look like in the second. The team defended better in front of him, though, yeah, as well. Like Cole, that was a breakdown, and, and Cole had a really nice finish there. And the Perry goal, the second goal, I mean, it was kind of Garbaggio time at that point. That was an open look in front. But Samsonov was not asked to make too many, like, no saves on those high-danger chances. He made one on Braden Point during one of those early power plays. That was a key save because that kept the game one nothing Toronto, but he was just really solid and the Leafs helped him way more than they helped him in game one by how they fair. defended. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. And that's something we, we talked about. The, the Maple Leafs feel like they are a better defensive team for sure in front yeah. of their goaltenders. And, you know, last night they probably had one of those moments where they answered that call. Hit us up on Twitter at Bolts Radio. I know a lot of people were talking about the Tanner Janot fight, Dave and, and Luke Shen. Felt like that was going to happen, and it did. Janot mm-hmm. held his own, more than held his own. Look, you, know. you got to have courage to. And Janot was looking for him. I think Shen was. was Shen was getting into some verbal altercations. I know he had one with Colton. I think there was someone else that maybe he was involved with. So Tanner Janot was like, we're Let's fighting. Let's go. Because yeah, I don't go. think Luke Shen really wanted to. The game was six no. one at that point, right? But he engaged him, and and Janot won the fight in my mind. I mean, Luke got a left hand in for sure, but Janot got his left hand free, and and Shen was cut. Yeah, he was. So look, you'd rather win the game than than win the fights because Perry knocked down Justin Hall as well in another fight later in the third period, but. That takes that takes courage on the part yeah. of Tanner Janot to fight a guy like Luke Shen. And then it got a little out of control with the fans. But Yeah, and I do. mean, Phil and I couldn't quite tell. Maybe you could see on, on television, but were they, were they throwing beer? Were they throwing objects? I mean, the linesman twice sprinted to the penalty box and was like, at one point, was in the penalty box. Yeah. I couldn't really With tell. With Janot. It yeah, was after the Janot-Shen fight. They obviously saw something. Yeah. And if that's the case, I mean, there's just... <laughs> there's no there's no need for that in a game. You you, There probably should be a heavier a heavier fine or suspension for that As fan. a fan, you yeah. are entitled to yell and scream and yeah. insult within reason <laughs> as much as you want. There's nothing, there's nothing that's going to happen there to get you thrown out of the game. But if you're if you're doing something that the officials are coming over to the penalty box to try and restore order, you have crossed the line. Yeah, hundred. That was not a good look. That was not a good look for no. the Toronto Maple Leaf fans sitting by the Lightning penalty box. No, it wasn't. But hard to know exactly what what happened that brought all of that about. We'll take some questions throughout the show today at Bolts Radio. Our good friend Al says, statistically speaking, the game was pretty even, except for the special teams and shots on goal. I disagree, Al. <laughs> Sorry. Special, I mean, look. Plays? They have seven? Yeah, two uh, for six. I had them with six. Yeah, yeah, they got some power plays late. 
So basically, we had some we had some post whistle shenanigans in the first period, and you know we had some penalties come from that. The Leafs were the Leafs had two power play chances in the first. The Lightning had two power play chances in the first. The Leafs scored on a delayed penalty call that doesn't count as a power play, but that was going to be double minor on Stamco. So when they scored, one of the penalties was wiped out. So they ended up getting one power play chance. We did not have any penalties in the second period. I think the officials, I know the officials, talked to both benches before the start of the second period, and they were probably saying, anything happens after a whistle, there's going to be a penalty. I think both teams are wary of putting the other side on the power play with good reason. It was in the third period that we had the rough stuff when the game was out of reach and the Lightning twice were down two men. One was an automatic when Paul shot the puck out of play and the other one, Ian Cole, gloved the puck. Like those are, closed his hand on the puck pretty blatantly. So, I mean, those are kind of automatic calls. But Al's point was statistically the game was even. Like the Lightning had those seven shots in a row after the Leafs scored early. And, you know, they were out shooting the Leafs 8-3 at one point in the first period. So you might say, oh, well, you know, the Lightning had an edge. They had a territorial edge. But if you're talking about dangerous scoring chances and which team defended better, I don't think that it was close. Sorry. No, I I know I agree. I would I would And we try and be that. fair. Like a lot of times yeah, Al sure. is the one that's more critical of you know how the lighting are playing. We're the ones saying, "Well, wait a minute. Hold on here, Al. We actually saw it differently. That was a It wasn't that the Leafs like you're right, Greg. The Leafs didn't run the lightning out of the building in terms of just overwhelming them in the first period. But if we're going to compare which team defended better, it wasn't close. Which team got better goaltending? It wasn't close. Which team got more production up and down their lineup? It wasn't close. But that was also the case in game one. It was just the other team, the Lightning, were the ones doing everything right, and the Leafs weren't. And I'll say this, in game one, I don't think the Leafs even had a stretch of kind of dominant possession like the Lightning did in the first period of game two, but... That was that was a decisive victory for Toronto. It was. Yeah, I, I don't I don't think we can we can dress this this up anyway and, and make it look better than what it was. The the lightning I think had some moments where you know they looked okay, but I, I thought Toronto for the most part in this game, they were the better team and it showed with that crooked number. Jay says looks significantly slower tonight. Should take Stamkos off the top line and bump Hegel up. Concern yeah, level is high once again. Credit sorry. to Keith and the Leafs for their adjustments and aggressiveness. Well, their adjustment was they got back to playing defensively how they did for much of the regular season. I don't know if the Lightning are going to switch up the lines up front. They might. But I'll say this, Jay. I thought the Lightning's best line, at least through the first two periods before the game was really out of reach, was Point, Kucherov, and Stamkos. They were out on the ice for the one even strength goal the Lightning scored in yeah. the first two periods. They were the line driving play most consistently for Tampa Bay. 
Now he said they looked slow. The lightning looked slow when you're turning pucks over. You're not managing the puck well. You know, that's that's what we said about Toronto in game one, right? The lightning in the second period, the lightning in the second period had some problems with their puck management, especially in the neutral zone, and then they were susceptible off the rush. And also, the Toronto forecheck gave them problems. The Lightning didn't didn't navigate out of the defensive zone as well as they did in Game 1, in Game 2, and that was especially noticeable in the second period. The second period was Toronto's best period in the playoffs so far of, of the six, and it was the Lightning's worst. And I understand Toronto scored three goals in the first, but if we were just to look at the second period, the Lightning had all kinds of problems with how they were defending. Their coverage, their puck play, they were trying to rim it up the boards. It was getting blocked. They were bumping it back behind the net, inviting more pressure. It was it was the exact opposite of what we were seeing in game one when they were so crisp and efficient and consistent in coming out of the defensive zone. And when you do that, you're going to look faster. You are. And, you know, look, did the Lightning miss Hedman and Chernak? Of course. Mm-hmm. I mean, how, how could you not? And I, I think that was probably a tough spot for the defenseman to be in. But uh, Hedman did skate yesterday morning. Yeah. So I, uh, let's see. I mean, we don't want to presume that he's definitely coming back for game three, but it doesn't seem like it's a long-term thing for him. Now, let's face it. He was going to be a game-time decision. He didn't skate warm-ups. They had decided before the game that he wasn't going to play. But they'd also won game one, so maybe they were a little bit more cautious with it as well. Well, and the other thing, too, is I think it's it's pretty inspiring, the fact that Tanner Janot was able to play. Yes. Based off of how everything looked originally. So, again, I think it probably goes back to that might have been more of a sprain than anything else because it allowed him, you know, there's no surgery involved, at least right now, and he was able to get back, you know, at a, at a pretty decent time. What did he miss? Five total games? Four regular season? One four. Game. Yeah. Only four games, yeah. Only four games. So that's pretty remarkable. And right, he can be effective. So let's hopefully he shakes off some of that rust and – contributes the rest of the series for Tampa Bay. James says Tampa has always been a team built from the defense up. And he says if their defense is clicking, they all click. Need Hedman back to get that back. Hopefully when he's back, the defense will function again and offense will go from there. Well, look, missing Hedman is not something that we should just gloss over. It would have certainly helped them to have Victor Hedman in the lineup last night. Would he have made the difference? Would they have won the game had Hedman been able to play, been healthy and been able to play? I don't know. I mean, they just weren't as good as they were in game one. Right. But I guess, are we going to read anything into this game and say that this is going to be the case for game three? I mean, haven't we learned already in the series that one team can play really well in one game and poorly in the next, and vice versa. So maybe we'll actually get a close game in Game Three. Yeah, I don't. I don't think we can take anything from the first two games, to be honest. Yeah, and I, you know, the other team was able to capitalize on the other team's mistakes. 
maybe the goaltending, Dave, to your point, was not as great consistently through two games for both goaltenders. And both teams made the other team pay for those mistakes. I think that's fair. I think that's fair to to point out. Uh, this one comes from Deb. She says, I feel like the referees are inconsistent already through two games. What do you guys make of it? Deb said inconsistent? Inconsistent. Well, we had two different referees tonight. I thought that they actually... They were effective at laying down the law after the first because they were starting to see some of the post-whistle stuff creep in. Corey Perry was in the middle of it again. Zach Aston Reese actually cross-checked him Zach early Aston in the game. Reese, come on. After <laughs> after a whistle, they didn't call anything because Perry was engaged with Camp, and Aston Reese came at Perry from behind. They didn't call a penalty on Aston Reese, but. I wouldn't be surprised if the official said the next time this happens, someone's getting a penalty. And it wasn't long after that that Perry stopped short in front of Samsonov, gave him a snow shower. But, I mean, that's not worthy of a penalty. That happens. And McCabe punched Perry in the face. And McCabe was given a penalty. Lightning didn't score on it. That was their second power play chance. So I think after the first, when the officials talked to the coaches, they did a good job of kind of putting a lid on that because we didn't see a lot of it in the second period. Third period of a blowout, I mean, this is going to happen. Message sending, whatever. We had the couple right. of fights. I actually yeah. didn't mind the officiating in, in game two. I think both sides felt that there was some stuff missed in game one and there was some Nicky Knack stuff called in game one. I'm not sure that we would say that for game two. So I guess I'm I'm partially agreeing with you, Deb. That, but I think game two was more consistently officiated than game one. Joe says, do you guys think we'll see any lineup changes for game three? Well, if Hedman is able to play. He'll play. He'll play. He'll play. Him, obviously. Yeah, we'll check on AC Mont and Chernak. But, you know, I'm seeing that, that you know, the quotes from John Cooper, we heard some of them post-game. You know, he said, sometimes you see these lopsided games at the beginning of a series, they tend to tighten up. And he looked, said, look at last year's series, which it was the yeah. opposite last year, where the Leafs won big in game one, and the Lightning ended up winning, I think, 5-3 in game two. But that was a 5-1 game in the third period. So they won fairly comfortably. And... You know, it's just the opposite this year. And he also talked about the mirror image from game one to game two, where one team played really well in game one, and then the other team played really well in game two. So the Lightning are going to put this game behind them. They know that they are going to need to play a lot better and that they can play a lot better because they did play a lot better in game number one. Yeah, they did. They did. And, you know, a lot of that is Toronto, too. I think sometimes we don't like to give credit to the other team, and that's a pretty good team on the other side. And uh, <laughs> I know John Cooper was asked about Ryan O'Reilly, Dave, as the, the third-line center, and he kind of, uh, Chris Johnson had this tweet after the game, kind of went back at the, the reporter and said, you know, I'll take, I think, what was his line, points, Sorelli and Paul down the middle all day, yeah. every day. And uh would have been nice to see Paul score again. Right. I mean, it's yeah, you feel like the longer this goes, you know, where is where is he 
contributing to the team here, but well, he had a good game one. We talked about that. He did have a good game one. He did have a good the game. The Lightning the Lightning didn't have a a like as much as we came out of game one and said nobody played poorly, there were not a lot of standout performances for the Lightning last night. I think that their their best line was the point line. But even that line yeah, I finished, agree. I think, minus one, and they were on the ice for an even strength goal four. So that means they were on the ice for two even strength goals against. The other three lines had difficulty really generating much. In the third period, they they reunited Belmar, Maroon, and Perry, and they teamed up on a nice goal. Perry scored it. So he has two goals in the series right. so far. But and and Maroon started this game on the third line with Paul and Colton. But I'm not sure that the Lightning were able to drive play up and down their lineup as much as they have in game one. So I'm not going to single out Nick Paul and say, well, you know, Nick Paul had a quiet game, and there were a lot of guys who had right. quiet games. How about Morgan Riley with four assists? Plus four. And yeah, he was, he was active. One of the best well, I mean, like the one on the, the first goal, he just passed it to Martyr, and then Martyr shot it in. But on the others, he was integrally involved. Like he made a great pass to Tavares on the 2 nothing goal. On the 3 nothing goal, he makes a terrific cross-ice feed to Nylander, and Nylander's on his offside, so, you know, he's a good angle to shoot. And his fourth assist was off the rush, where I'm not sure if he was trying to pass it to Nylander for a tip. Nylander didn't touch it. He was going to the net. But I actually thought at the time it was more of a shot for a rebound than a shot for a goal because he put it to the far pad, and that's exactly what happened, and Tavares had an open net on the rebound. That was a rush coverage problem for the Lightning. That one was not on Vasilevsky at all. By the way, did you see that Cooper thought about taking Vasilevsky out after two periods? I just know. Like I was they gonna... did to Samsonov, and Vasilevsky said no. No. What he do wanted you make to go in for the third period. Brett, Kobe, I He's asked him He's a gamer. Yeah, Kobe yeah. said, you know, you kind of you see a guy battling like that, and you don't want to surrender any more for him. So I, I understand that. I, I'd be curious. Let's hope that doesn't happen again in the playoffs, partner, where that decision potentially had to be made but yeah that is that is pretty cool getting inside of uh john cooper to to kind of gauge how that conversation well Vassie loves to play yeah. <laughs> i mean Vassie does not like coming out of a game when he has started the game and i appreciate so, that by the way yeah I mean, you know it's like i want to be out there and it was a quiet third period i mean the leafs had a bunch of power plays late they only finished with six third period shots so it was kind of like if they could have taken a running clock in the third period, Toronto, I think they would have signed up for that. They just wanted to get through the game and and put it in the win column and, and move on. So gauging the first two games, how loud has it been in that building? Got the sense that when the crowd gets amped up, it's, yeah. it's hard to hear. Well, at the beginning of game one, they were loud until they weren't. And then they got loud when the Leafs made a push in game one. And they were pretty loud throughout <laughs> in game two. And, you know, they had they had their fun. They were crowing about the score and getting on the lightning <laughs> players in the penalty box. And look, you know, when you're when you're in the Corey playoffs Perry, and, right? and your home Corey team Perry. is up by, you know, four or five goals, you you kind of earn the right to be able to do that. Corey Perry is really unpopular in Toronto. Yeah. But that predates his time with the Lightning. He was a thorn in their side in that Toronto Montreal series in 2021. 
<laughs> that's his game. He and he was not responsible for this, but wasn't he the one who collided with Tavares in game one and Tavares got hurt? Remember that? Right. He was playing yeah, for I Montreal. Do. I do. He had to fight. You were upset oh, yeah, that you're he right. had to fight. You're right. No, you're yeah. right. That is him. I don't know if that's right. part of it, too, but I just think, in general, he gets under the skin of the opposition and the opposition fan base. I don't think Toronto's the only place where he's treated like that. No. But it will be interesting to see how many Toronto fans, Dave, are at the game. Yeah, Phil grumbled about that uh, uh, basically post-game as we were going off the air. He said yeah. it on the air, though. I think Phil's hope is that if you are a season ticket member for the Lightning and you have gotten your playoff tickets, that you actually go to the game rather than sell them to Toronto fans. Yeah, I mean, this is... These are two of the best teams with a lot of talent, and it's a Saturday night, you know, and it's an important game, so I, I yeah. don't know. And you know me. I'm kind of like, all right, well, if that's your ticket, you do what you want with it. But I don't know. I mean, if I've I got remember, tickets, that's a game. I don't remember last year that there were that many Toronto fans in the playoffs. In the regular season, different story. But I may not yeah. be remembering. I don't really remember that so much. I remember the games. Yeah. That didn't stick out either, to be honest. But, you know, if you're a Lightning fan, you're going to the game. Be loud. Be loud. And make sure Toronto doesn't have a presence there. I think that would yeah. be my advice to uh, our audience. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation, you certainly can. It was interesting hearing Cooper's comments, partner, and Stammer's comments after game two. I think they're both basically like, look, it's a long series. We've been there, done that. We're not going to overreact. And... You know, Stammer had mentioned we didn't follow the game plan, and that's a good team over there. But you could, you could sense, and it's it's because they've had deep playoff runs here that they're just not. There's not going to be a lot of panic in in this team heading into Saturday's game three. I think they understand they need to be a lot better, and I anticipate they will. But it was interesting mm-hmm. hearing hearing them say it afterwards you know a lot of times you hear a player say it and you're like yeah i don't know if i buy that i i mean i i kind of buy the lighting will put this behind them and and hopefully have a better outing on saturday well look you know it is a playoff series and it hasn't happened often but it has happened where the lightning have been on the short end of a lopsided score against at different points in series. But, you know, remember, they got blown out in game two of the Stanley Cup final last year against Colorado. Came home and they yeah. blew out the Avalanche in game three. Right. I can remember some games earlier in the Cooper era. 2015, the Lightning had lopsided home losses to the Rangers in games four and six of the Eastern Conference final and came back and won low-scoring games at Madison Square Garden in games five and seven. So that's why, like, what happens in one game does not necessarily carry over to the next. And I know that this was a way different situation. The Lightning were up 3-0 against Montreal in 2015, and they got blown out in game four at home. They couldn't close out the series, and that series went to six. I mean, the Canadians won games four and five. Right. Yeah. Where the lightning closed it out. So you see it sometimes. 
And the Lightning have done it to the opposition, too. Remember that 2021 series against the Islanders? What did the Lightning win game five? Eight nothing? And the Islanders came home, and they won game six in overtime. Yeah, it's a good point. Last year in this series, Lightning Leafs. The Leafs won game one, five nothing. The Lightning won game four, I think, seven to three. Same score as what we had in game one of this year. And the Leafs ended up rallying, but they won the fifth game, four to three. So, look, it's possible that the Lightning will lose game three and it'll be another lopsided score. But generally, what you see is when one team loses in a lopsided fashion, the next game, even if they don't win it, it's closer. They have some sort of a response. Correct. And now, look, like you can say, well, we wanted to get the split. So we got the split. Now you have to consolidate it. You don't want to give that advantage right back. You want to win game three and put the pressure sure. on Toronto. Throw it back, throw it back their way for sure. Yeah. I think that's the I think it's the appropriate way to to look at it. This comes from John. He says, guys, when two teams know each other so well, like Tampa Bay and Toronto, what ends up being the difference in this series? Well, it's a good question. I mean, both teams know yeah. each other. You know, is it, I mean, the Lightning. I don't know that there is one difference. I mean, it comes down to executing, really. And, and, and which that's what the Lightning says. Plays better. Yeah. Yeah. Sticking to their game plan. Goaltending, obviously, sometimes comes into, you know, those equations. Special teams. It is interesting when you have a blowout, like we have these first two games, with teams that know how to defend, and they also know each other pretty well. I think it just goes to show you the things when they when they go south, partner, they can they can go south pretty quickly. And that's mainly because the team they're playing can capitalize on those mistakes. Yeah. And I think that may we were seeing that a little bit. They did not have a good second period, so it's hard to kind of go back and rewrite it differently. But, you know, they had made the game three to one with half a game to go. So it wasn't a blowout at that point. They were within two. The problem was they were giving up lots of dangerous chances. And eventually, the dam broke. A team as talented as the Maple Leafs, if you're going to give them chances in the slot, eventually they're going to go in. So the Lightning did a lot of things poorly in Game 2, but I keep kind of coming back to this. And they didn't get a Vasilevsky-type performance, I think. I mean, if... I'm being perfectly honest about no, it. We talked right. about that earlier. Yeah, yeah, More so right. in the first period than than the goals later. But that was a game in which the Lightning were badly outchanced. And if you're going to get badly outchanced, particularly against a team as talented as Toronto and their big guys came through, Tavares had three goals, Marner had two, Nylander had one. They got one from their fourth line. But if that is going to be the formula you're putting a ton of pressure on Vasilevsky. Game two was a game yeah. in which the Lightning were badly outchanced. Game one, they outchanced the Maple Leafs. I still maintain that if Vasilevsky plays his usual sort of game, which I don't think last night's game was a usual sort of Vasilevsky game, but if he plays a usual Vasilevsky game where he stops all the shots that 
he can see that are kind of from distance, that there's something funky going on, like it doesn't hit a stick and deflect over his shoulder like on the Marner goal that made it 6-1. And the Lightning are going to keep the scoring chance number level. You would figure they have an advantage. In game one, they actually tipped the scoring chance metric in their favor, and they won 7-3. Last night, the Leafs badly outchanced the Lightning. They also scored some goals that normally Vasilevsky stops. So everything worked right for Toronto, (laughs) but they earned it. Like, they defended very, very well, as we expected they would. We did, and that's why I don't think I'm going to make too much out of the Maple Leafs' performance. I think you anticipated them coming back. So we'll see how this Game 3 transpires. In terms of the familiarity, I mean, I think you're right. Uh, I I don't know how that's going to translate into Game 3 outside of I think it's going to be a lot closer. I think that's just kind of where I, I sit with these two teams, yeah. they've they've gotten these crooked numbers out of the way the first two games. I think we kind of talked about this too. Sometimes early on in the playoffs, you can have these games, and then they do get a little tighter as the playoffs roll on. And now I think it's incumbent upon the teams to start making a few more adjustments here, but it might just be for them the adjustment executing a lot better. Easier yeah. said than done, but I think that's probably where they're going to look at, you know, where things go. Um, I have this Chris, quote here from Cooper, Nick, by the way, because it kind of goes go to what you just talked about. He he said post game is a quote. What happens and also the question about what happens when the two teams know each other so well. He didn't really address that or what's the difference. That was the question from the fan. This was Coop's quote, quote, what happens is when you play a team as often as we played the Leafs in the last couple of years, especially in the playoffs, you're probably going to get games like this, meaning blowouts. But as the series moves on, the scores get tighter. It's a weird one in both of these cases. I think both games mirrored each other. It was 3 nothing, and then there's a little bit of pushback. It's a funny game. That's why we love this game. But that's where he's saying when two teams know each other really well, sometimes you get the lopsided games, but as the series progresses, they tend to tighten up. And in the last three games of last year's series, after we had, let's be honest, I mean, the first four were kind of lopsided. Game three, the Leafs won 5-2 with two empty netters. So it was a 3-2 game, and then they scored two empty netters, but they were up 3 nothing, And the Lightning battled back to make it 3-2 before the Leafs pulled away. The other games were all pretty lopsided. But games five, six, and seven were all very close. They were all one-goal games. I don't know if it's going to take that long for the games to get close. Like you think game three will be closer. So maybe we'll get to the closer score sooner in the series rather than later in the series. But the beginning of this series does resemble somewhat the beginning of last year's series. Yeah, and, and that's more of a hunch, but it's also more of, okay, so we've seen these two teams who defend really well. Are we going to have a game eventually that's just going to be 3-2 rather than 7-2? And I, I think it's fair to say, yes, we will. I don't I don't know if mm-hmm. I'm saying anything uh, out of the ordinary when it comes to, you know, how those teams are going to play. But, uh, you know, 
as Cooper said too, there's nothing to really sort out. The game's over. You know. Yeah. We all we had to do is cl- close seat to what happened, and they know what's going on. So it's uh, you don't want to overanalyze this bad loss with the Lightning because you know that most likely they're going to have a bounce back game, and if they don't, then you know we'll have a conversation about right what's going to happen here. And game kind of three a, is an important game. It's not a deal breaker game. I mean, last year the Lightning were one one after two, and they lost game three, and they came back and won the series. Yeah, that's true. Game three is the game that will determine which team enters game four with even more pressure than after game one. Like the team that loses game one, whether you're at home or on the road, faces pressure in game two. In a one one series, the team then that loses game three faces even more pressure in game four because otherwise you're going to go down 3-1. So the Lightning want a better performance in game three, but game three is not a must-win game, but they can definitely help themselves by winning the third game. Yes. And I think if they're going to win the third game, they're just going to have to play better. I know that that's really not a... (laughs) high level analysis <laughs> but well i think but i think day, it's spot look, on you know? yeah <laughs> you can play better and still lose but if they play as porously defensively as they did in game two they're gonna have a hard time winning and the same is true of the leafs in game one this comes from doug he says who do you guys think's been the leafs best player so far through two games well, they didn't have a lot of dominant or noticeable performances in game one. Phil and I felt that Nylander might have been their most dangerous offensive player in the first game. They had a lot of strong performances in game two, but it's hard to argue against Tavares, who had a hat trick and was very, very good in all areas of the game. I wonder if he prefers to play center than left wing. That that quote that Coop was asked about the three centers like they moved O'Reilly to the third line center position rather than having O'Reilly and Tavares in the same line and that's when Coop said I'll take point Sorelli and Paul any day but when O'Reilly and Tavares are playing in the same line Tavares plays left wing and I'll say this I mean the Leafs played a lot better but Tavares was a lot better (laughs) in game two at center than he was in game one at left wing. But Sheldon Keefe had his reasons for having those two guys together. They played together, I guess, fairly regularly down the stretch in the regular season. O'Reilly missed 14 games with a hand injury. But before the injury and then after the injury, when they were when they were line mates, or when they were both in the lineup and everybody else was in the lineup. So the game that the Lightning played against the Leafs, game 81, Matthews was not in the lineup. So that was different. But if Matthews was their first center, the number two center was O'Reilly and Tavares was at left wing. So there must have been a reason why Sheldon Keefe went to that and stayed with that, meaning that Tavares must have had some impactful games. He did not have an impactful game one playing at left wing, but that might have had more to do with how the Leafs played than the position he was at. But when he was moved to center in game two, or he was moved to center in game two, the Leafs had a much stronger game, and he may have been their best player. Phil made him the number one star, and it's hard to argue with that. I feel like Austin Matthews hasn't taken over 
Yeah, yet. I was saying that to Phil. We were walking back to the hotel after the game, and and you know he's gotten his points. He had two assists in game one, and I think he had two assists in game two. So you know he's got four points in in two games. But I agree with you, and that's probably not great news for the Lightning that he's been on the quieter side of things. But. When you're that good, you'll you'll figure it out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's important, too. But it's just, that's an observation through two games, you know, at at least from Toronto's side. What about the Lightning side? Do you feel like some of those, you mentioned the point line, they've been, I think, their most consistent line through two games. I think it's fair, you know? Um, Yeah. You know, point always seems like he gets his chances for sure. The second game, you know, the the Hagel line, you know, Sorelli Kalorn. It I didn't notice them as, that much yeah, in the offensive zone I. in game two. Yeah, I didn't. And, you know, that, that can happen again. You don't want to draw too many conclusions from two games, but that's kind of what we're going off of, and we'll see how it uh, plays out. Um, let's see here. Who else is chiming in? We've got some decent questions here today on the show. At Bolts Radio, if you want to get involved in the conversation you can. Uh, Chris says the game might have been a little out of hand, but at least the announcers were still giving Radish lots of props. He's definitely stepping up in a big way. Keep it going. I assume he's talking about the television. He's announcers? got a bit. Yeah, he's probably watching on TV. Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming lighting fans are watching Dave and Brian, right? You would think, right? As opposed to watching. This was. This is on ESPN. Yeah. Game, right? Yeah. Yeah. I think Bucciagross was doing the game. Oh, was he? I, I didn't see him I in the press box. I feel like he was. Yeah. It's weird. I know we had some questions about that with the uh the broadcasting schedule for the first series. Second right. series is when they, they take the local TV away, correct, partner? It's usually yes. how that goes. Yeah, so the local flavor is radio only. As we know from the Lightning's deep runs over the last few years. Heck yeah, for sure. How about the Rangers? Uh, 5-1 over the Devils. How many power play goals did Kreider have? Two more, I think. All on tips. He is very, very good at tipping pucks from the front of the net. That's what he does, right? Oh, goodness. That's what he does. But I, you know, there were a lot of people, and I, I, I can't blame them. But we, we cautioned this a little bit with the Devils that, you know, kind of going through that first experience partner in the playoffs, at least with their high yeah. end guys, was there going to be a little bit of a learning curve there? And I, I well, to be honest, Chef I haven't Sturkin, watched a ton of it. Chef Sturkin has allowed two goals in two games. He's so, been pretty good. Like he has come to play. But I haven't watched that series, really, because the Lightning and Leafs have been going on at the same time. So I'm just kind of looking at the box score, you know, maybe catching some of the the brief highlights. But the Rangers definitely have entered that series. They enter that series with more playoff experience up and down their roster. And at least from the outside looking in, it seems like that has been a key difference. But it's a seven best of seven game series. It's first to four. It's not first to two. The Devils had a phenomenal road record during the regular season. I don't know if that's going to matter in the playoffs, 
but they're going into a hostile building that is going to be going crazy for their yeah. team, talking about the Rangers, and there are enormously high expectations on the Rangers this year, and that is going to be a high adversity situation for New Jersey, and we'll see how the Devils fare. Surprised by any of the other games on the East, Carolina up 2-0 against the Islanders. Well, so what happened in the 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 games on the the day that the Lightning and Leafs are not playing. So all of the series that were 1-0 going into game 2, the teams that were down 1-0-1 to tie the series except for the Islanders, but Dave Randorf is actually doing game three of Carolina Islanders on TNT. So we were talking yesterday and he said, I was paying attention to that game because I knew that I was calling game three and he said the Islanders played very well. Like they had massive pushback. They just didn't win. That can happen sometimes. So Carolina has put itself in a really good spot, but the injuries are, are continuing to mount for them. They've already lost Svechnikov, and now it sounds like Teravainen's done for the playoffs because he broke his hand on a slash. And that's a big blow. It's for a team big that blow. we've talked about, you know, scoring. That yeah, that's a big one. How many game breakers, if not game breakers, how many difference makers offensively do they have? Well, two of them were Svechnikov and Teravainen, and now neither one is available. I have a uh, a good friend who is a big Florida Panthers fan. And uh, they you know, they, they've made that a series. They've made that a series a little bit, yeah. right? I mean, now Bergeron's been hurt, too. Yeah, and I don't know what his status is, but I tell you what, Greg, I was thinking of you when I watched some of the highlights from Game 2 of Panthers-Bruins because you have been banging this drum about Linus Allmark. It's like, okay, he's going to win the Vesna this year. The votes are in. He had a unbelievably... Phenomenal year. Like, record book type year in terms of his wins, his goals against, and all of that. And he was beyond ordinary in game two. And I think you have said, well, tap me on the shoulder when the playoffs begin, right? <laughs> Not just about him, but but you mentioned Yeah, him, for right? sure. Right, for sure. I mean... You just have to do it. You have to go through it. He he may end up having a really deep run this year. I think that could happen because the team in front of him is really good. But in the playoffs, you always feel like your goaltender at some point is going to have to put his skate down and say, okay, I'm winning this game. I'm winning this series. Mm-hmm. And I think just when you don't have any of that experience to fall back on, there's just uncertainty whether you can do it or not. Now, again, he may do it. He may, but I yeah. I just feel like for a team whose expectations are so high, there is a drastic difference between regular season and postseason because you have one clunker in a series. That can be enough to maybe change and tilt the momentum in that series. And it's one of the reasons why I thought the Lightning had a really good chance winning tonight because of how Samsonov played a little bit in game one. You know, it was just a game where his rebound control wasn't great. Mm-hmm. And if you want to say these two teams are evenly matched, you can. 
But the one you would think big advantage the Lightning have is in net. And so Samsonov, to his credit, or Samsonov, to his credit, bounced back in a big way. Yeah, And I, I have to give him credit for that. But, yeah, these teams, Dave, who have a lot of a lot of wins during the regular season, high expectations in the postseason that have some uncertainties in net, I think you just have to let it play out and see what happens here. But I think it's okay to sit there and, and feel a little uneasy about those teams' net miners. There's not a lot to go off of in the playoffs. Well, I don't know if he's going to play game three because I saw some commentary wondering if Swayman would come in, who also had a terrific year. I mean, when when your team wins, what was it, 64, 65 games, right. <laughs> whatever it was. But what does you that know, tell both you? Goalies, both goalies had really, really good seasons. Allmark had a better season than Swayman. But what does that mean? Like, does that mean that if he has an off night, you go with the other guy? Or is he earned enough rope that, you know, you're going to come back with him? He did play well in game one because the Panthers yeah. played well in game one. So how did the Bruins win game one? Part of it was Omar was really good. It, it just, it never, <laughs> I can't get used to that. You know, you have this guy who has this tremendous regular season and then he has a game where, you know, he's not very good. And there's potentially you're going to the backup. I mean, times yeah. have changed. So I think we have to probably look at goaltending differently. There's just the last five, six years than we used well, to. Well, we can't rewrite history, but let's just say for the sake of argument that Matt Murray was healthy. But Samsonov got the nod in game one. Do you think Sheldon Keefe would have started Matt Murray in game two? Murray is not healthy. I mean, I th- and then Joseph yeah. Wall has very little experience. So it seemed obvious... Maybe it shouldn't have been obvious, but it seemed likely that he'd go back with Samsonov for game two, and he did. But how much of that was the other option, as much as Walls had a good year statistically in limited work, is not really a viable option as opposed to had Matt Murray been healthy. I think that's probably a lot of it. I so think you think he might have gone with Murray after the Samsonov I think there's game potentially. one performance? I think there's a potential for that to happen. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I do, but we're not dealing with it. We're going to deal with the the game on Saturday, partner, and uh, we'll have all the action here on Lightning Radio, and then we'll be back at it again on Monday, recapping what we saw in Game 3. Hopefully it's a win. Hopefully it's a win. Yep. I mean, look, 1-1 after two games. It's now a best of five, but the Lightning, to the extent, as we said, accomplished what they but they really needed to. I mean, they could have lost the first two and and still had a chance sure. to win the series. We talked about that. But For sure. you put yourself you put yourself in a really tough spot if that's the case. So right. they avoided that. So we have a series. It's one one after two, like you know last year's series was that went seven. No surprises. It's one one. Maybe we're surprised with how we got here in terms of the scoring. But yeah. That's- doesn't matter it's 1-1 and we'll have all of it for you on monday recapping game three partner great job as always and uh, i will talk to you tomorrow yep and we'll see you in the booth on saturday love it it's going to be a lot of fun for sure and thanks to everybody who listened thanks to steve versnick as well and uh, everybody who chimed in at bolts radio keep those questions coming in we always appreciate you 
We will talk to you again on Monday during this time, breaking down game three right here on Lightning Radio.